My name is Josh Locke. I'll be taking us through and kicking off our uh, four-week series leading up to Thanksgiving. Um, I was thinking, I, I looked at the calendar on, 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 I guess it was Friday, November 1st, and I was like, it's already November. How many of you did that? They were like, it's already November. Let me see your hands. That's right. I thought about coming in and, you know, setting the stage by telling you how many weekends till Christmas and all that, because it's usually really short. It's usually like five or something. I'm not going to do that, though. I don't really know what it is. Uh, but this is, this is kind of that season of the year where uh, life gets a little busier for us. And, uh, you know, we, we thought we would take some time as a church and just reflect on the blessing that God has given us. Uh, because we've been blessed with so many things. You know, I think I could probably pick anyone here and give you a microphone and say, you know, tell me five, five ways God has blessed you. I, I think most of us could probably do that in, in a second, right? To, because God's given us so much. Uh, but what we'll be studying this for the next four weeks is, you know, taking a look at some of the blessings that we have from God that maybe we don't necessarily view as blessings all the time. So I'll start off with a quick story. When my wife and I were first married, uh, I, I drove a 97 Honda Accord, and I don't remember how old it was. I think I might have been able to get antique plates for it. Like, it's, you know, I, antique plates, I think you need 15 years or 18 years or something. It was an old car. It was a car that I had through college, and it was fine. Uh, but it was really old, 200,000 miles. And uh, we lived in this, this one-bedroom apartment, and we had, two par- or we had one parking spot, which my wife got. That's right. Uh, and I parked on the street, and, you know, it was fine. Uh, it was always a challenge finding spots, and one day we came back from somewhere, and there was my car where it was parked, and it was always there, but there was kind of like a big just gash in the hood that went all the way up, uh, probably halfway, and it looked like a big truck had just backed up kind of over my car, uh, and thankfully there was a note on it. There was someone had, you know, reported it, called the police, and anyway, um, you know, we, we didn't have a ton of money. I was like, oh, great, I'm going to have to, to get a new car, because the car, according to the insurance company, was totaled, um, and, you know, that, that wasn't really a blessing to have to find a car, but where the blessing came in was when the insurance company, for I don't know what they were thinking, but they, they, they gave me the money for a car that was like, you know, this is a mint-conditioned 1997 Honda Accord with like 100,000 miles. I don't know what they did, but we got like a good, a good check for the car. And my mechanic had told me that my, my old car would never have passed inspection. And so I got a new car paid for for my, someone hitting my old car, and it was a blessing. And you know, I think sometimes that's how God works in our lives. Where we, we're blessed uh, in ways that maybe we don't necessarily see. And, you know, in Scripture, you can really see this play out, uh, where God likes to use situations and things and people that aren't necessarily uh, what we would expect, that, the way he's going to use them. And, you know, we see it in Scripture a lot. So in Second Corinthians, Paul says, it's when I'm weak, then I'm strong, right? God, Paul is saying, like, listen, it's first that I'm weak, and then the opposite of it, that, that I'm strong. Or you see uh, in John 15, God is saying, or Jesus is saying, to rest in him, and then when you rest in him, you produce fruit. But it's kind of counter to what we would expect. First uh, Corinthians 1, God uses the powerless to shame the powerful. First Peter, oh, Peter 5, humble yourself and he will lift you up. The story of Gideon. Right? Gideon was this kind of not important person and God makes him a mighty warrior. Or David, right? David, when, when um, I forget the prophet, was it Samuel? No, not the prophet. Yeah, we'll go with it. So when the prophet's going to find the new king of Israel, he, he goes to Jesse and he says, let me see your sons and, and one of them's going to be king. And all the sons come 
And he's like, no, these, this isn't it. And then Jesse's like, oh, yeah, I have, I have one other son, right? Come over here. Uh, and, and David comes. So David wasn't this huge, important person, but God makes him the king of Israel. And then he fights Goliath, right? So God uses this seemingly insignificant person and turns it around. And I just think that's how God's economy and kingdom work. Uh, in, Isaiah, in Isaiah 55, 8 through 9, we see that he says, My thoughts are, not, are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You know, God, God often takes things in our lives and, um, and surprises us with what he's going to do and how he's going to, to use them. So as we, as we look at how we're blessed, the first thing we're going to look at this, uh, this week is that God has blessed us with a need. You know, and, and you might think, well, if I have a need, that's not really a blessing. Uh, but, but we'll study scripture and, and, and start to understand how God has really given us a need that we have and how it's, it turns into a blessing for us. So when I think about needs, and I was thinking, preparing for this message, I, uh, I'm reminded of this, I, I studied this in school at one point, but this triangle on your left is called Maslow's Hierarchy of Needs. And it's this theory that basically means human needs are built on top of each other. So for example, if you, for you to have like a creative thought and creative experience, before you have that, you first need to feel you know, loved and appreciated. And before you have that, you first need, you need to feel safe and secure. And then before that, you need to have things like food and water and that type of thing. So human needs are, are staggered. Um, and you know, my, my wife and I welcomed a baby into our family a couple months ago, Michael. And, you, know, you probably know that like, babies need everything. Right? They can't do anything on their own at all. Um, and it, this horse right here, so horses, I just think it's funny how God uses, um, God, God makes us very different. This a horse, when it's born, after two hours, can walk and trot, right? When Michael was two hours old, he could do probably one thing, right, and, and nothing else at all. And, you know, I, I don't want, that would be crazy if babies could walk after two hours. I don't think anyone <laughs> wants that, uh, but we're, as humans, we have needs, right? We have needs. And as Christians, we have needs too. And so we're looking at three needs that we have and talking about, you know, why are these needs, how is it a blessing, and, and what does it matter to us? So the first need we have is Jesus. And you're probably thinking, okay, great, this is the Sunday school answer, checkbox, move on. Right? We'll, we'll pa- unpack it a little bit. The second is that we need each other. 1 Corinthians 12 says that we're all members of one body. And then we need spiritual family. And Ephesians 2, 19 and 21 tells us we're all part of God's family. So would you join me and pray? Father, we, we come here and we want to hear what you're saying to us. And as we understand the needs that you've given us and that truly they're a blessing, that you know, they're, they're not what we would necessarily think of as a blessing, but you, you've turned them into a blessing. Would you, would you speak to us and help us to hear what it is you want us to hear personally? We welcome that and invite that into to us now. Amen. All right. So we've been blessed with needing a Savior. Ephesians 2, 4 through 6 tells us, but God is so rich in mercy and he's loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. So do we need a Savior? The word tells us that we were all dead without him, right? We had no chance. Uh, Romans 3.21 says that we all fall short. But I think we could all agree that, that we need a Savior. But, but why is this a blessing to, to need a Savior? Um, 
you know, I, I think the reality is that we, we can't do it on our own. If you look at the Old Testament, whenever someone sinned, there had to be a sacrifice. Life had to be taken. That the blood had to be spilled for that. And in, in the new covenant we have now, Jesus was that life for us. So we, we can't do it on our own. And, and Jesus really illustrates this. Um, in Matthew 5, he's, he's speaking with some, some people. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like we, we often get a sense of, oh, that's the Old Testament. I don't really have to, like, listen to that right now. But Jesus does the opposite. He says, you've heard it said, if you uh, do not commit murder, right? Do we all agree that's not a good thing to do, commit murder? Yeah, we all agree with that. Uh, but Jesus says, but if you've ever hated someone in your heart, you've committed murder. Where he says, do not commit adultery. But if you've ever, if you've ever looked at someone with lust in your heart, you've committed adultery. Right? Jesus make, sets the standard. He makes it harder for us. And in fact, he gives us the standard to get to God. And it's Matthew 5, 48. He says, but you are to be perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Right? The reality of, of our plight is that we have to be perfect to get to God, and none of us can do it. We are all dead without Jesus. So why is this a blessing? Because we need Jesus. Um, I was thinking, so I went to school in Tennessee, and we had this big, long walkway where you could walk down, and I was, it was in the south, and so there were always preachers there uh, who would come on campus, and you know, they probably weren't like the, the best examples of Christ because they were pretty... Uh, antagonistic and, and that type of thing. But um, this, you know, I would walk by, listen, no, no big deal. But there, this one preacher was, was, you know, just yelling at people. And basically his whole point was, if you have sin, if you sin now, you're going to hell. And like, okay, yeah, sin, sin is against God and therefore deserves punishment. But just like we're learning here, Jesus fulfills that, that obligation for, for hell, for death, for us. And so I went over and talked to him, which was probably not a good choice. But I'm, I'm talking to him, and, and I'm like, hey, listen, like, this doesn't seem, this, this seems wrong. You're saying that, uh, that if you sin, you, you're just going to hell. What about Jesus? And he's like, well, no, if you had Jesus, you wouldn't sin. I was like, oh, so you, you don't sin. He's like, no. I'm like, okay, so you don't need Jesus then. And he kind of stopped. I'm like, well, if you don't sin... Why, why, do you, why do you need Jesus anymore? And then he said, get behind me, Satan. And then we just walked away. So it wasn't, it wasn't really productive, but it always stuck with me because, you know, we need Jesus. You can't get away from this need of Jesus in our lives. You know, so, so where do we go from here? You know, for, for a lot of us, we know Christ. We do. Um, and, and if you think of Shiloh's vision, it's to know God, it's to find freedom, to discover your purpose, and to make a difference. Now, I've said this before, knowing God is not a checkbox. It's not a checkbox for us. And yeah, definitely at the beginning when you're starting to know God and accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, yeah, you can check that box. But the reality is knowing God is a lifelong journey for us. I mean, we come on Sunday to know about God, to learn, to learn about who he is. That's why you can read the same portion of scripture a hundred times. And God can use it differently each time for us. Knowing God is a journey that we're on. So, you know, maybe, maybe you don't know Jesus. I invite you to come up and, and talk afterwards. We'd love to, to share that with you. But maybe you need Jesus in a different way than you experienced him before. And I invite you to come and, and pray with us as well. So we've been blessed with needing our Savior. Second thing we've been blessed with is needing community. So Corinthians 1, 12 to, 20, 12 to 21. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves, and some are free. 
But we've all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body is many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not the hand, that doesn't make it any less part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? And if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. So we've been blessed with needing community. And if you, if you take some points from that portion of Scripture, we're all members of one body. And, you know, that, that's not necessarily Shiloh. That's the body of Christ, right? We're all members of the body of Christ. We all need each other. You can't have a body of just eyes. That would be weird, right? We all need each other to make up this body. And each person has a role. We see that in Scripture. So why is this a blessing? Why is it a blessing that we need to be in a body? You know, I believe it's because we can see where we fit into that puzzle. Right? We're all different puzzle pieces in this body. And just like you need eyes, you need lungs, you need ears, you need all the different parts, we all have a purpose that God has for us. So 1 Corinthians 12, 18, we just read this. But our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. Let that be encouragement to you. God has put you and equipped you to be a part of the body in your own unique way. That is God's heart for you, is to be a part of the body, and he's given you the things that you need to do that. The second reason why this is a blessing is Matthew eighteen twenty says, for where there are two or three gathered together as my followers, this is Jesus, I am there with them. Right? Isn't that awesome to know? When you're gathering together with other people, when, you ha- when you're bringing that body together, Jesus meets you there. That's great. I think that's, that's amazing. And I think we can overlook that sometimes, that the God of, that created all of eternity, all of everything, we can meet with him because we're together. So why is this important? You know, I, I think it's, it's modeled in Jesus' life pretty clearly that Jesus had community. He had 12 disciples that he had surrounded him. When he sent people out, he sent them out together with different people. But being a part of one body means that we need each other, that we're all designed with a purpose. I love this passage. It's probably one of my favorite scriptures, Ephesians 2.10. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. Right? When you think about that puzzle piece, so my, uh, my three-year-old son, Andrew, loves to do puzzles, both my older boys do. And uh, Andrew has this, this is a part of a four-foot puzzle um, of a fire truck. You can probably guess that. And the other day, I was just sitting with him watching, and, you know, he, I'll, I'll put, like, a puzzle piece in the general vicinity of where it needs to go, and I'll just see him there, like, you know, push it down, and, you know, we, we probably look at it and be like, okay, just turn it, hook it in one second. And he, he tries to, like, figure it out a little bit, and he's, he's spinning it around to get it, and when he finally gets it, I mean, that's, that satisfaction is, is amazing, right? Anyone, anyone have done a puzzle before, you get that piece in? That's awesome when you get it in. Um, and it's the same way with us. You know, when we find our place, in the body. When you find that purpose that God has equipped you with, right, you're his masterpiece. He's created you to do good works. Corinthians tells us that he's fit us into the body just where he wants it. When we find that place, I mean, that's, that's where we're making a difference. That's where we're making a difference is when we find that place in the body. So where do we go from here? You know, I, I think uh, at a real basic level where you can start, if, if this is a new concept for you, is 
at Shiloh, we go through Growth Track, which is a series of four classes where you learn about Shiloh, but you also learn about yourself, right? And we go through a, a um, spiritual gift test assessment to just understand where, where are some of your gifts because, you know, we, we want to get you into that spot where, where you fit. We want to put you in that right spot because it's there that you're going to fulfill your purpose in God. And needing community, needing to be part of the body allows us to have that opportunity to be together. And lastly, I've been blessed with needing a spiritual family. Ephesians 2, 19 to 21 tells us, So now you Gentiles are no longer strangers or foreigners. You are citizens along with all of God's holy people. You are members of God's family. Together we are his house, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, and the cornerstone is Christ Jesus himself. You are carefully joined together in him, becoming a holy temple for the Lord. So, you know, we can understand we need Jesus. We get that. We need community. We understand that. This whole idea of, of spiritual family. You know, where does this come in? God is all about family. Let me, let me show you what I mean by that. So Matthew 6, 9, we see Jesus saying, here's how you should pray. Our Father. That's the Lord's Prayer. He immediately sets up a couple things, right? He says that God is our Father. We're his children. And then he also says that you're a sibling with Jesus. Ephesians 2, 19 says we're a member of God's family. Genesis 2, 18 it's, this is God creating Eve, and he's saying it's not good to be alone. Psalm 68, 5 says that he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows. And, and verse 6, it says that God places the lonely into families. Romans eight seventeen says we are co-heirs with Christ. If you know what that means, uh, anyone know who Jeff Bezos is? He's the guy who made Amazon, right? He's, I didn't look last week, but recently he's been the richest person in the world. He's right, right in there for being the, one of the richest people in the world. If you were Jeff Bezos' child and he passed away, guess what you get? You get all of Amazon. Right? You get free prime for the rest of your life. You get a lot of stuff. That's an heir. And the word tells us that we're co-heirs with Christ. Right? The power that God has that he's passed to Jesus, we experience that as well. God's heart is for families. God's heart is for us being in family. I love that verse that says God places the lonely into families, right? So we see that there's this, this need for, for family, that we're part of God's family. You know, the needing spiritual family, I, I think in spiritual family, it's where God wants, to, God wants us to experience a couple things. He wants us to experience closeness, commitment, and challenge. And that's, that's God's heart for us. And ultimately, these things that we experience with each other will point us to Jesus. But right? I, I think spiritual family is a step deeper into church community. And I, I think probably the best example of this is, is small groups, right? Small groups is a place where you can experience that spiritual family, that closeness, that commitment, that challenge that will point us to Christ. So let's dive into that. So we experience closeness in spiritual family. Acts 2, 44 through 46. And the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, and they met in the homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. You know, does this mean you need to go sell everything you have? Probably not. I don't think that's what it means. But we get a picture of closeness in the church. We get a picture of people who are meeting in homes. Right? That's pretty intimate to meet in someone's home. You get a picture of sharing meals with someone. Right? That's another intimate thing, to share a meal with someone. 
Um, and then we see in Matthew 26, 36 to 38. This is when Jesus is in the garden. Uh, he's had the Last Supper, and now he's going to the garden to pray, and ultimately he's on the road to be crucified. Then Jesus went with his disciples to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to them, sit here while I go over there and pray. So Jesus has left. He brings his disciples with him. And he says, okay, I'm going to go over and pray. And he took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, that's James and John, along with him. And he began to be sorrowful and troubled. And then he said, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. You know, when I see this, I see this, this great picture of closeness that Jesus had with the disciples. That that's, goes beyond being together. Meeting on Sunday is awesome. That's great. I mean, we do it every week. Uh, and we'll keep doing it every week. But closeness that we experience in spiritual family is like this, where when we're going through a challenge, right, you can bury your heart and your soul to someone, where you have people there with them. And, and frankly, sometimes there's just people there to be, be with them. So closeness is something we can experience in, in spiritual family. Um, and why, why is this a blessing? You know, I think this is, this is how Jesus modeled his spiritual family, his life, right? So that, that makes sense. But also, it's closeness in a spiritual family that demonstrates our closeness to God, right? What, what we have in life, when we have uh, a small group where, you know, someone's going through a challenge. Earlier this year, my wife and I had a, a challenging experience, and we had our spiritual family be there for us, right? That, that closeness, that love that we experience, that's a picture of our closeness to God, and Romans 5, 2 says, you know, we have access to God. I thought about that. God created the world. He created everything. My boys have this, um, this children's Bible that goes through, and, and we just, every morning, we'll, we'll read a couple stories, and we, we just finish and, and go back to the beginning. And recently, we finished and went back to the beginning, and I, I was reading the creation story, how there was nothing, and now God created the world and life and animals and everything. Right? That, that same God we can go to him with confidence and prayer with what we need. I mean, that is closeness. So we experience commitment in spiritual family. So Romans twelve fifteen says, Rejoice with those who rejoice and mourn with those who mourn. 1 Corinthians twelve twenty six: If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. God's design is for us to be together, to have people to walk with us through the challenges that we face. You know, spiritual family is a place we will experience that. Spiritual family is a place where we get to see a picture of that, just like how God has a commitment towards us. If you read Isaiah 43, 2, this is, this is God speaking. When, I pa- when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And when you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. And when you walk through the fire, you will not be burned, and the flames will not set you ablaze. How awesome is that, to know that God will walk with us through what we have? We can see a picture of that in the commitment we have with our spiritual family. And lastly, we experience challenge in spiritual family. So let me set the, the scene here. David um, is king, and Saul and Jonathan uh, are, are dead. And David is looking for someone in, in Jonathan's family to show kindness to. Jonathan and David were extremely cro- close friends. And so he finds this guy. I tried to say his name a bunch. It, it never worked. So I just called him Mephi. Um, so Mephi was the last remaining relative of Jonathan. And the thing about Mephi was that he was an outcast. He had crippled feet, and that really kind of set him apart where people didn't 
didn't like him, associate with him. If you look at, scholars had said that uh, Mephi lived in obscurity where he was forgotten. And as a dead man, he was out of mind, right? He was kind of set, set aside because of his crippled feet, because of, of that thing that happened to him. And, you know, David didn't look at his feet when he invited him into his palace and he invited him to sit at his table with him. And he invited Mephi to sit and eat with him, right, for, for the rest of his life. And I think this is a picture for, for all of us. So spiritual family is a place where, you know, we're going to see people's crippled feet. We're going to see people's challenges, the things that they have uh, in, in their lives that maybe they're their fault, maybe they're not. But we're going to experience and see that. And we're given an opportunity when we're in that closeness with, with family, we're given an opportunity to love and accept them. Romans fifteen seven says, accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. So why is this a blessing? You know, God, God accepts us in spite of our feet. And we're called to do the same for those around us. And you could probably think about people that you're close to that, you know, sometimes they have this thing that they, they deal with or the way that they do something. And, and yeah, okay, we get that, but we're called to love. We're called to accept. And that is a picture of how God loves and accepts us in spite of our feet, in spite of the way that we look. So, you know, we, we've been blessed with a need. We need community. We're all part of one body. We need spiritual family. God's put us in family to experience closeness, commitment, and challenge. And we need Jesus. Uh, Paul, Paul has what he calls a thorn in his flesh. And, you know, we don't really know what it is. Some people think it was some um, issue with his actual body, but we don't know. But Paul, in 2 Corinthians 12, says, Three times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, My grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm, going, I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so the power of Christ can work through me. I think oftentimes we view needs that we have as a negative. Right? The fact that we need something, and that's not really the American way to need anyone, to need anything. Right? We want to do it ourselves, and, and that's great. But how God sets up Scripture, how God sets up the Christian walk is we do need things. I mean, first and foremost, we need Jesus. Right? We need that, that com- community. We need a spiritual family around us. And so, you know, what does that mean for us? How do we respond to God? Uh, you know, when I'm preparing for a message, I, I want to hear what, what is God's heart and what is he trying to convey? And, and usually I, I feel like I get a good sense of that. And I, I, I don't know what God is trying to convey to all of you today. But I do believe that, you know, as we study the word, the Holy Spirit reveals things to us. And so I was just thinking, you know, how, how can we respond to God? So I have some questions here for you. You know, do you need Jesus today? Maybe, maybe a true salvation experience. Maybe you don't know who Jesus is. Awesome. We're glad you're here. Talk to us. But like I said before, Jesus isn't that checkbox, right? He's not that, I know God, I'm done. Maybe you need to experience God in a different way today. Maybe you have something going on in your life where you need God. Maybe you don't have that community. Maybe you're just popping around to different churches or, or trying different places. Right? What, what is God saying to you there? Maybe it's just settle down, make a decision to stay. Or how do, you, how do you find spiritual family? Maybe that's a gap in your life. Right? So, like I said before, small groups is a great place to start that. 
It doesn't have to be. You can experience that outside a small group. Uh, I think Shiloh, we're a small group church. We believe how, that small groups are hugely important for being connected for all of these reasons. And so I don't know if God is speaking to you about finding spiritual family. Small groups is a place to start, but, but if not, find, find another believer to, to start experiencing that closeness with, that commitment and that challenge with. Are you trying to live alone? Do you want to be able to be totally self-sufficient? You don't need anyone. And, and we looked at scripture and God says, that's not his heart. He, he doesn't want the solitary to be alone. He puts them into families. You know, what, maybe God's speaking to you something about the, the challenge that comes from being in spiritual family. The, the commitment. You know, maybe God's speaking to you something about the current spiritual family you're in and how you've been experiencing people or just needing to get over someone's crippled feet. Right? Maybe there's something in, in your heart that you, you've been struggling with something because of how people act or, or something that they deal with. Just how God accepts us, he's calling us to accept other people as well. Or maybe you need to get over your own feet. Right? You know, I, I definitely struggle with that where I feel like I'm not... You know, because of this, I'm not good enough, right? I mean, that's true. I'm not good enough. We, we read that. That's why we need Jesus. So I, I'd like to pray and give the Holy Spirit a moment to, to speak to all of you and um, to speak to me and just to, to hear what, what God is challenging us with, with being blessed with the needs that we have today. So, Father, you know, just like John 10 tells us, we, your sheep, we know your voice. And so, however you're speaking to us, whatever challenge that you're calling us to, whatever place that you want us to go, we want to respond with yes. We don't want to go against what you have. So if it's a situation or a, a person that comes to mind as we're, we're listening, maybe a, a scripture that just stays in your head or, or pops out at you, pops out at us, Father, you know, whatever it is, whatever way you're trying to speak to us, we want to respond to that. So let's, we'll... we'll God, we're going to take a moment to hear from you. Father, your heart is for us to be in family, to be in community, and to be in you. Whatever is blocking us from getting to that point, would you give us the courage and the strength to to get over that so we can we can experience those things and experience life how you've, you've designed us for. Thank you, God, that you put us as a puzzle piece exactly where you want us to be. And okay, sometimes it takes a wiggling and moving around, and that might be tough, but God, you designed us for good works. You placed us just where you want us to be. So we, we want to know what that is, Father. We welcome that now. Thank you for being a loving Father who speaks to us, who cares for us, Jesus. And um, would you settle in our heart how you want us to respond, where you want us to go from here, Father. But we want our response to be yes to when you speak to us. So, Father, we love you, we acknowledge you, and we thank you for being Father in heaven that we have access to. It's in your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. Amen. If anything spoke to you this, this morning, if you felt you know, God saying something or you're trying to figure out how you respond, uh, I would invite you to come up because we have people up the front, myself and others will be here to pray with you, to listen, 
and, and to, to help you to respond to God, which is ultimately what we want to happen. We want to respond to the Father. So have a great week. Thank you.